you right. from the heart of God. It's time for the finish line with Mike Melvin. 37 at Ticket and the Tick.com. Start your Welcome into the finish line here on 93.7 The Ticket and the TicketFM.com. I'm Mike Melby. Rebecca Pearson to my right. Austin Orman running the board. Big thanks to Austin for coming in on Father's Day. And joining us in studio tonight is going to be Dana Deakey. Dana, uh, old old friend of mine, drives a sport mod out at uh, Eagle Raceway and uh, wherever else you feel like uh, popping in. So I want to start the show tonight talking about one of the, the cooler events that Rebecca, I know you always were involved with when you were working uh, for Mobile One, and that is the Canadian Grand Prix up in Montreal. And it takes place earlier today. Max Verstappen winds up getting the win. Fernando Alonso second, Lewis Hamilton third. Um, what made that event so special when you were working with Mobile One? Oh, well, where do I start? Uh, first of all, I know all three of those guys because they all uh, raced for McLaren at one point in time or Red Bull. So both of those were with Mobile One. So it's fun to watch. Um, you know, when you're in a Grand Prix situation uh, for us, when we were at Mobile One, we always had kind of a high-end hospitality for customers. So one of the cool things about the races is you're you're in the back uh, with hospitality, entertaining customers, particularly for this kind of thing, our Canadian customers, but we always get to go down in the pits and into the into the garage and so on. But when you're watching a Grand Prix, particularly the one we went to, so this is actually very famous. When I was looking up, I was like, oh yeah, that was a really cool race I went to. And then I remembered as I looked it up, it was 2011, uh, June 12th, and uh, Jensen Button had a not only a penalty, but he had a tire cut down. He came from the back and won the race in the rain after a two and a half hour delay, which hardly ever happens in Formula One. It's the longest race Formula One's ever had is the one I was at where we won because Jensen Button was driving for McLaren. So I had the whole experience of going down, doing the champagne. I don't know how many Formula One fans we have uh, listening or have ever even seen a Formula One race because it's definitely, you know, the the split and divide of which race, uh, you know, series you like. Not everybody likes Formula One, open wheel, kind of fancy, you know, all the impressions you have of that. But very cool experience to be down in, in uh, victory lane, getting champagne thrown on you, getting to see all the drivers and that whole experience of you think he's going to win, you think he's going to win. And you're kind of waiting in hospitality, ready to run down to the garage so you can run out and, and get your picture taken, all that kind of stuff. So I sent you some pictures earlier. I was looking for my orange shirt. I couldn't find it. I know I still have it, but somewhere I have the orange shirt that had champagne all over it and everything else. So quite an experience. Get a shadow box and frame that bad boy. Get I know, I know. Well, I have other pictures. I didn't bring them in. I have pictures of me with the team and, and certainly with some of the other Formula well, One Now we, We've got to put some of those up at the new studio. Either. We do. Yeah. I was thinking we just need to start collecting everything for the studio. Now we're getting ready for all the, uh, what do you call it, memorabilia that we're going to yeah. put up in the studio. Absolutely. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about the Formula One race earlier today and get that into some good. other stuff. But right now I want to get into... Uh, the Victory Lane segment, Victory Lane segment sponsored by Eagle Motorsports LLC. Mike Boston uh, has revived Eagle chassis, uh, one of the most popular sprint car chassis that's ever been out there. Uh, Speedway Motors uh, elected to shut it down and then gave Mike an opportunity to carry on the name. And he is doing so very proud to have them on board as a sponsor of Victory Lane. NASCAR is dark this weekend. They take Father's Day weekend off. They are at Nashville Super Speedway with all three classes 
uh, next weekend. High Limit Series, dark. They don't race again until July 25th. All-Star Circuit of Champions. Uh, this is one of my favorite weeks of racing, which is followed up by another week here. At, at Pennsylvania Speed Weeks is coming up. This was the Ohio Sprint Speed Week. They raced. They were scheduled to race nine times in 10 days. Rain got a few of them. But uh, Tyler Courtney winds up winning the 2023 Ohio Sprint Speed Week title over Buddy Kofoid. They tied for points, but Courtney had a win. Kofoid did not, so he got the championship for Ohio Speed Week. Winners from the week included Courtney at Wayne, uh, Wayne County on Monday, then Tim Schaefer at Atomic on Thursday. Sam Haverteep Jr. won at Eldora on Friday, and Brent Marks last night at Portsmouth. Remember, Marks was leading the A feature with the High Limit Series at Eagle a couple of weeks back and uh, discovered exactly how rough the hole in turn one is. Dana, we'll probably talk about that here in a, in a little bit. All-Stars are off until July 7th and 8th at Ransomville and Sharon Speedway. So Dave Blaney, Sharon Speedway will have the All-Star Circuit of Champions here on July 8th, World of Outlaw Sprint Cars at Beaver Dam Raceway. Geo Selzy got the win on Friday. Sheldon Hoddenshield last night. Sheldon's been struggling as of late, but he winds up getting the win last night at Beaver Dam. And the summer of money is about to really kick into high gear. Next weekend, World of Outlaws at Houston's up in Sioux Falls. It is the High Bank Nationals, four days, the 21st through the 24th. Saturday night's winner will go home with a check for $250,000. And that is not even close. It's 25% of what somebody's going to win in a sprint car at Eldora later this year. So it is truly the summer of money. That sounds like a great, great win. Yeah, that would not, <laughs> that would, that would be pretty good. That's going to be worth it. World of Outlaw late models start this weekend. Lucas Oil late models, $50,000 richer is Ricky Thornton. Uh, he picked up one of the twin features on Friday at Smoky Mountain Speedway and then won the main event last night to cash the check for 50. Chris Ferguson also had a win on Friday night there. Knoxville last night, Davey Heskin won in the 410s, Chase Randall in the 360s, and A.J. Johnson in the 305s. At Eagle last night, Ryan Kitchen picks up the win in the Sprint Cars Modifieds. It was Bob Zobeck, Sport Mods Noah Williams, John Anderson wins in the Stock Car Division, and the Hobby Stocks at Eagle last night. Ryan Gilland gets the win. Friday night in Beatrice, Jordan Grabowski wins the Modifieds. Sport Mods Lance Borgman, Andrew Kaziski won the Dirt Super Late Models, who were making a rare appearance at Beatrice. But Andrew Kaziski with the win there. Rory Armstrong won the Hobby Stocks at Beatrice on Friday. And Brandon Carmichael, the Compacts. Then last Sunday, while we were on the air, the Malvern Bank 360s were racing up at Park J in Sioux City. And Jake Buback took home the win. And they are back in action Friday 7-7. That is uh, July 7th, yeah, up at Jackson Motorplex. Another one of the Todd Queering owned racetracks, as well as Hussett Speedway. So a big thanks again to Mike Boston and Eagle Chassis for sponsoring Victory Lane. Now, Rebecca, with talking about the, the Victory Lane celebration and being able to be down there for that with the, the McLaren team, how often did you have that experience? Oh, well, uh, I tell you I, enough, right? Not that many times. I was running the motorsports program only for about three years, I would say. Uh, so maybe four or five times, but uh, the two memorable ones were that one. And of course, Tony Stewart's first year with us where he won at Homestead. Again, another crazy story where Mobile One helped him win, you know, by a fraction of a second, whatever, come from behind story, the whole nine yards. So two of the most memorable ones I have 
uh, are, you know, from these amazing races. They weren't just the regular race and, you know, they had already won before, you know, they got to the race or something like that. So I, I probably went, uh, yeah, maybe four or five times. Uh, and also we were at Sebring. We talked about that before and been in Sebring. So I've had a lot of experiences. They're all, they're all different. Uh, it's one of the things I like to talk about is the fan experience because, you know, the, these series don't exist without these fans. So you need to provide that experience and, and be able to translate that and let people know. Like one of my ideas here is for the listeners here to really get excited about going to Eagle and making it a family event, coming out there and supporting the local racers, but also maybe going to some of the local tracks in the neighboring states and then experiencing a NASCAR race, a Formula One IndyCar. You know, there's lots of things if you like racing. So for me, it's fun, obviously. Absolutely. Dana, I want to ask you from the standpoint, now you're a racer, you've been racing, what, it was late models for a while and then modified sport mods. You were in a stock car for a year or two, weren't you? Yeah, I think. mini sprint. Yeah. Yeah. That so, but from the race car standpoint, take yourself out of the driver's seat. Where do you like to go watch races? What, what do you follow? What disciplines? Um, I definitely like watching Lucas oil late models. Um, Something about a late model, man. I don't know what it is. It's just, they're so cool. Um, I had a lot of fun doing what I did. Of course, it was a lot lower level late model at that time than what these guys are running, but love to watch those. Um, and as far as locally, in personal opinion, I think Eagle is the best place to watch a race. Um, there's just really not a bad seat, you know, and, and uh, unfortunately with I-80 closing and, and some of that, uh, but, and the crowd's always great. Rogers always got ideas for different things to help out with the entertainment part of it. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Okay. You ever go to NASCAR, follow it much at all? Oh yeah. I follow it a lot. I've been to a couple races. I made it to Bristol in Texas. So, oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Now great. Bristol is, is a place I would, I, I have never been that. I, awesome. I think. Short track. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. It's hard to, you just don't get it on television. No, you, you know? don't. You, you really don't. don't yeah. I see your t-shirt too. So we yeah. have to talk about that. <laughs> we have to talk about race movies and a whole bunch of other things, but uh, I want to, I want to ask Dana, you, you said you like late models and you're not really sure why, or just, you know, modifieds, but you know, there's a big divide uh, between sprint cars, anything that looks like a stock car, stock cars, formula one, open wheel. So, you know, say more about why you gravitated to that way to the extent you can. Um, you know, honestly, I do like a lot of different race cars. I just, um, I think just being around dirt from the time I was a kid, um, my dad helped a guy for years when I was little, he didn't race himself, but he, he crewed. And so I was exposed to dirt cars a lot. Um, he didn't watch a lot of NASCAR. Of course, at that time they weren't on television all the time when I was really little. Um, but as I started to watch that, I really, um, gravitated towards when, when there started to be more airplay for the late model stuff. And I could start seeing some of these guys and, you know, watching the, the younger guys up and coming and, and it's just, I don't know. I'd love to see them come more locally, like Eagle or something it would be super cool if we could get like Lucas oil there, but yeah, I don't know. Something about a dirt car just does it for me. Nothing wrong with it. And that's, <laughs> that's kind of where I'm at as well from a dirt standpoint. I mean, I grew up with it um, and, and have been involved, you know, on so many different sides of racing other than racing for points or racing on a regular weekly basis. Yeah. I may have accidentally borrowed somebody's helmet. And when they ran to the restroom, I hot lapped their car, but um, I was never a guy that was racing week in and way week out. I, I worked on a crew that helped guys on maintenance night. And I know what that part of it is like, and I know about the travel. Um, but it, there's just something about the, 
there's something about getting out of the car when you get home from the racetrack and you're just covered <laughs> yeah. in, in dirt. Yep. And I don't know what it is. And you're hot and sweaty. Yes. And yes. It's just, yeah. But it is a great experience. I mean, and for people who like racing, I mean, I'd love to ask you, what, why do you like it? Like, what's about racing do you love? The challenge. It really is the challenge for me of, of trying to make the car do something you want it to mm -hmm. do and figuring out how to make that happen. Um, honestly, it's not kind of sounds weird, but it's not all about the speed for me or anything like that. And it's not so much an adrenaline thing. It's just the challenge. If I do this, is this going to do what I want it to do? Trying to make it do what you want it to do. Well, you know, one of the interesting stories um, about Tom Osborne was when they won the national title in 70 or 71, he he was kind of just sitting by himself and he, he, he was like, I great, but I, but the, what, wait a minute like because he, he was so wrapped up in the prep work yeah and what led to the game that was where his passion was and you know the game uh, it's all over but there's now nothing to do for from a game standpoint for yeah. another eight months yeah and and he it, it's you know tom tells the story far better he knows it better than i do but he talks about how that just that challenge to figure out how to push the button to make the player do something well the challenge of how to to put a different a uh, combination of shocks on your car to allow you to get through corners and the giant hole in one better, yep. you know, and that's, that's the, the fun part of it. I, it's interesting that you, that is kind of where you're at with it and not the speed, not the, the thrill of it. Yeah. And maybe it's cause I'm older now. I mean, I'm probably one of the older drivers in my class, you know, maybe not the oldest, but I'm probably pretty close, but you know, so I've been doing a long time and that's probably part of it too, or the speed isn't as much the excitement part of it now, but yeah, it, I mean, I still like it. It's just, yeah. aren't you trying to sort of also best your laps, right? Oh, Either yeah. the, you know, try for that consistency. Like, you Definitely. know, when you can nail it lap after lap, you're like, oh my gosh, I've got it. I hit it at this turn, this turn, whatever. Right. Yep, for that's, sure. Yeah. So that's also kind of your internal motivation to just do better than, especially now that you're, you've been in, in it for a long time, right? Trying to keep consistent and keep doing better than you did before. Yep. And yeah. I'm, I'm pretty good at being consistent, but that also works both ways. So <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty good at being consistent when I'm doing well, but I'm pretty good at being consistent when I'm off. So <laughs> that's no good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm not, a, I'm not, I don't always adjust the best on racetrack, but if, if it's right, I can usually make it go pretty good. Well, uh, talk to me about last night. I, I was out of town, didn't get a chance to get out to the track, but I uh, looking through the results and, and you had the <laughs> DNF in the sea and I'm yeah. like, uh, something broke or an accident in the heat. What happened last night? Yeah. I, um, I was actually in the, my son Tyler races with us out there in that same class now. And, uh, we both were in the fourth heat. Um, he got to start, I think front row outside, if I remember right. And he, he got it, ran a good race, finished third, made it straight to the, to the A feature. Um, I had a little bit of an issue where got tangled up with another, another car in the, in the heat race. And it did enough damage to the car that we didn't feel good about trying to patch it together and make it out for the sea. So we decided we better just trailer it, concentrate on Tyler. And so we got him in the A feature and he, he ran well and I think he finished 15th. Um, car was clean. He didn't, you know, cause any damage. He's learning. Well, and, and uh, we'll, we'll dive into it now. I, we're, we're kind of up against a break. Actually, I want to, I want to do it on the other side of the break. Okay. I want to talk about how you got your, your kids involved in racing and what all of that's about. And you, you just said one of the most important things, we rolled it back on the trailer and we'll kind of explain why that's an important <laughs> thing. Uh, when we come back, it's the finish line here on 93, seven, the ticket back with more after this. 
Hey guys, Jake Sorensen here from Early Break. The garage door at our house has been needing replacement for a couple years, and a few months ago, we finally did something about it. Steve's Garage Doors and Services was great through the whole process in providing options and also going to the next level to get a door that was approved by our show. First of all, the removal of the old door and installation of the new door was done smoothly with no issues. Call Steve's Garage Doors and Services today at 402-480-9462. Welcome back to the finish line here on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. I'm Mike Melby, Austin Gorman running the board, Rebecca Pearson to my right, and sport mod driver out at Eagle Raceway, Dana Deakey, joining us in studio tonight. Right before we went to break, Dana, I was contemplating on, on bringing you and your, your, your family and the racing and the, how you guys all uh, how, how you've made it truly um, a family thing. Uh, you, you've got Tyler out with you right now, um, and I know you've got a very supportive wife that allows you guys to do what you love to do uh, and, and have the fun that you do. But how did you get – we'll get back to – I want to understand and have you share how you got into racing, but I'd love to know your story on how you approached Tyler about getting in a car and figuring out what it's all about. Yeah. Um, actually it, it was kind of the other way around. He approached me. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, obviously they grew up around it. Both my sons, Alex is my oldest and he raced as well. Um, a couple of years ago now already, it's probably been longer than that, but anyway, um, he'd always been around it. And when they were little, little, they didn't show much interest. Like I'd be in the shop working on things. They might come out, talk for a minute, but they didn't want to be out there. And, and, and that's fine. It was I, work. Yeah. And I, and I wasn't, that's just it. You know, that was the only part they really saw at that time. So it was just like, this isn't fun, you know, <laughs> but, um, they finally started to, as they got a little older, they'd spend a little more time out there. And then, uh, it got to be where I had had a, I got a car from, uh, Alex and, uh, cause he was racing a newer car than I had. So I got a car from him. He's, he got out of it for a little bit cause he moved. I drove that car for a year and then I was going to get out of that car and try to get something a little newer. And Tyler kind of started like, well, what are you, you know, what are you going to do with this other car? And I probably sell it or whatever, you know? And he's like, no, I might like, cause he'd never raced anything before he got into sport mod. Um, a lot of guys came from go-karts or hobby stocks, sport compact, whatever. He just jumped right in the sport mod deal. And, um, I mean, never looked back. So it, uh, and Alex was sort of the same way. He didn't really, um, raced anything organized. He raced stock car just a little bit, but uh, yeah, he he mostly ran sport mod as well. So, so now that we, we talked about it last night, you're sitting there, you're a guy that comes out for the fun and the enjoyment and the camaraderie of racing. Um, sure. At times, I know you've raced a lot more serious. You're trying to win point titles. You're trying to do all that type of stuff where you're at in life. Now you're like, yeah, been there, done that. I, this is fun. This is what I want to do. So last night you break. It's not worth spending the money putting the effort in especially since you have your son yep. that you may be able to teach him something you may be able to to work with him etc and he does have a, a you know gets into the a there's a lot of nights that's an accomplishment at eagle oh, yeah for sure and uh, has a 15th place run and most importantly it's able to roll back on the trailer <laughs> and talk a little bit about that because for people that don't understand what i'm talking about if you can't roll the car back on the trailer it's going to cost you a lot of money and it is a gigantic pain in the butt yeah it so, is and um 
anytime you can do it, it's almost a win. And you, you touched on it at Eagle. I mean, we get, I don't know, I haven't looked at the numbers lately, but it, it varies probably between 35 and 45 cars in our class alone. So they only take 20 to the A feature. So, I mean, it's pretty cutthroat a lot of times trying to get into the A feature. Guys are aggressive. They want to get in there and, and they do what they got to do to do that. Um, but anyway, he's kept it really clean. Um, last night, like I said, he started, um, started up front and he just, he just kind of held his line, worked his way through. He's getting better about, he'd get a little spooked sometimes when guys were pretty aggressive with him and just kind of let him go. And he's starting to race him a little bit more now. But yeah, bringing it back and the cars in one piece, you can roll it on. Your, your whole week is different from that point. It, it's just maintenance, bolt check, wash the car, do your oil change and all that stuff. And, and it's a non-stressful week. But whereas in my case this week, it's going to be a lot of thrashing. You know, I, I work 50 hours a week normally anyways to my regular job. So by the time I get home, you know, maybe get a little something to eat, you know, doesn't leave a lot of time. So you, you got to bust butt sometimes, but I, I remind myself, I don't have to be doing this. You know what I mean? I, this isn't a job. It's not a, a requirement. So I, I just remember you're doing it because you want to do it. So don't complain when you got to work hard to do it. Well, that's the key thing. It's, it's something I think I've, I've figured out in life. If, if I don't care how busy I am, if I want to go do something because I want to, I love it. I have a passion for it. Get out of my way. Cause, yep. and, and come along for the ride. Cause I can promise you I'm going to have fun. And most <laughs> people that know me know there's going to be a good time. So we're going to have a great time. And, and that comes through with, with you and the way you talk about Tyler and just the way you guys race. Yeah, it is. It's a very much a, a family deal. I mean, we, it's bonding time for us. You know, mm -hmm. we, I've got to spend so much time with both my boys just through racing that, maybe if we weren't doing that, I wouldn't see him that often. So it's, it's just, it's good. And we get along somehow through it all. And, and, you know, and we've got, you know, if you were to look at my car or Tyler's car, I mean, he's got two or three parts on his engine that are mine. I've got something off of his car that's his, and it, it's just a big community deal to keep them both going. So, so how do you teach your, your kids? to race. I come from uh, you know, regular streetcar, take it on a track, learn, then you graduate into a single seat thing, but you have two seats. You've got somebody next to you who can help show you the line, all that kind of stuff. These cars, just a single seater. So how do you teach someone to drive? Yeah. Um, watching some video um, from some of my races and, and showing him what I've done wrong just as much as what I've done right. Um, and his brother, Alex, from his experience is really good about Alex does a good job of watching a car and then explaining what he sees and it translating to what you felt. In other words, there's a lot of nights I can get out of the car or Tyler gets out of the car and Alex is like, what was going on in turn one? This is what it looked like was going on. And Tyler's like, that, exactly. Yeah, that, that was it. So, and he, from watching can suggest, okay, well, you were driving in perfect example this last weekend. Um, Tyler was for whatever reason was driving in really, really straight into the corner on the top. And it was making the car take such a late set that then it was breaking loose coming out of the corner and it was just killing him on time. You know, he didn't feel that he was doing that. He didn't notice it, mm -hmm. you know, in the car. And Alex pointed out and they watched some video from that night and he's just like, Oh yeah, that's, there it is, you know? And, and he's very receptive to it. You know, he's not like, ah, you know, he, He's like, okay, I'll, I'll do it different next time. And, and I think that's what's helped him. He's won, what, two or three heat races this year, too, this year already. Um, and last year, he was lucky to finish a heat race. So, 
you know, it's he's he's getting there. Yeah. Absolutely. This is the finish line on 93.7 The Ticket. I'm Mike Melby, Rebecca Pearson to my right, Austin Orman running the board, Dana Deakey in studio uh, with us tonight sharing some stories. She asked about how do you teach them how to drive? The only thing that I've driven consistently in my entire life, and I do it at nauseum for way too many hours, uh, is on my PlayStation. And I, I drive late models and stock cars and sprint cars on, on the World of Outlaw games, Tony Stewart's racing games. Is that any help? For somebody when they first start out. Now, granted, you don't have the physical beating that you take in a car, even on a good lap. You, you're still kind of, yeah, yeah. You're, you're gonna wake <laughs> up tomorrow morning going, okay, yeah, a little sore. But does the way the game teaches the, the driver of a car on a video game, does it teach them some things that are similar? I think so. Um, I think it teaches you car placement, um, things like that. Um, how to, how to set up a pass and complete it. Um, the closing rate and how much room you need when you've, you know, quote unquote, done a slide job on someone to, to get them cleared, how much extra speed you need to have to make that happen. Those type of things. Um, you're right on the feel part of it though. I, me being again, older and, and not being the, from the video game era as much as what, you know, guys are now. Um, I, I have to have the feel. I'm not that great on video game stuff. I think for that reason, it, it's, I'm not sure, but it seems like Tyler and Alex, they can, they can do the video game thing and really master it. But I don't know. It's, it's obviously different for everybody, but I do think, yeah, car placement, setting up passes, you know, how much room you need to make this or that happen. I think it helps with that sort of thing. Yeah. Cool. Um, one of the other stories that I wanted to mention this week uh, that happened in racing, it's kind of cool. Over the years, we, we've lost some some really, really cool guys uh, that, that, you know, uh, horrible accident last week with Carson Macedo. And of course, he drives the Jason Johnson racing number 41. And Jason lost his life uh, in, in a wreck that resulted in some chassis changes uh, with the way they build sprint cars to ensure that stuff like that doesn't happen. But uh, I'm, I'm going to Throw out anybody that's ever seen the Chili Bowl or the, the uh, Tulsa shootout. I'm going to throw out a name that you're going to recognize right away, Emerson Axum. And one of Emerson Axum's stated goals when he signed on as a driver for Clawson Marshall Racing was to keep the legacy of Brian Clawson going. And on Thursday night at Pottsville uh, at Pennsylvania's Big Diamond Speedway, he lived up to his word not only following in Clawson's footsteps by becoming an Eastern Storm winner, but also by winning on what would have been Brian Clawson's 34th birthday. And I just, I kind of goosebumps about it because Brian was a guy that you see all the videos, all the pictures, good nights, bad nights. And it's, it's that smile. He was always happy. You talk about somebody that lived life to the fullest and lived every moment. Like it was his job to make other people happy. Maybe not when he was on the track race, you know, whatever. But yeah. at the end of the day, man, he always had a smile. He always gave so much. It's why there's a big tower at Knoxville that's called the Brian Clawson Tower. He's one of those guys that kind of transcended dirt track racing. Are there those guys that you follow, uh, whether it's late model, whether it's, you know, modified guys that, that run national tours uh, or sprint car guys that, that have ever made an impact or anybody that you've met that's a national guy that has made an impact in your career? Let's see. Um, locally, there's a few guys that have, have kind of affected me that way. Um, there was a local driver, and it was actually the guy my dad helped when I was a kid. Um, watching him, watching the way he raced, how respectfully he raced, um, stuck with me. His name was Hank Bulin. His son, Sean, 
Bulin raced also for years um, out at I-80 and won some championships. I see you shaking your head. You know what I'm talking I, about. Well, I was going to say, holy smokes. I didn't realize it was Hank and – okay, yeah. yeah. Yep. Wow. Yep. Yep. That's who my dad helped all those years. So, And then um, and a lot of it is from those older guys, but more current, I would say um, – watching not that i've met or anything but just watching how they they drive and stuff uh i like watching ricky thornton quite a bit um so does everybody i mean <laughs> but, he's, uh, he's on a bit of a tear right yeah, now he's really on his game and um johnny Sadoff's another one um i've gotten to know johnny pretty well over the years um he helped me clear back when i first started running late models he actually personally was under the car doing adjustments and stuff when i was down at his shop you know crawling around under there himself you know and i just thought how many owners and stuff would not just have somebody do it for them he actually was getting out of there i was i really meant something to me so when we decided to buy a new car that's where i went i got a new you know jet mod from him and and he's always there to help you i mean i can message him at any time he'll he'll get back to me and help me out and i'm certainly not one of his biggest customers you know so he's just that guy so he'd be he'd definitely be on the list we had Tyler Perry in studio a couple of weeks back. Uh, he's going to sponsor the Stewart Alley Memorial on September 10th out at Eagle. And he mentioned about his love for, you know, racing and all that type of stuff and understanding how expensive it is and how maybe I just need, I, I want to be around it. So I'm just going to learn everything I can about it. And he said that uh, from a sprint car standpoint, it, it, it's just simple. Late models and modifieds are not. Um, how complex is it to to make major adjustments on a race night or do you have time yeah you usually have time um anymore i don't think you need to make the big adjustments like you used to on some of the cars things have come a long way i mean a shock change anymore can be considered a big adjustment where you know back in the older days you were turning weight jacks and moving weight around and, and i'm sure there's still some guys that do do that but um it's kind of funny when you said sprint cars are simple. My, my best friend since seventh grade is Doug Lovegrove. Who yep. races, uh, you know, I'm obviously too. And, uh, he's always said that to me. He was just like, anybody can drive one of these things. He goes, all you have to do is have a big set and know where to put the car. And, and I'm always laughing, like, whatever, you know, obviously that's <laughs> not true, but in his opinion, he's just like, he'll come over and look at our car and he's like, what do you do with all this stuff? <laughs> He's like, we block it at, you know, so many inches and, and we might, you know, change a torsion bar and some wheel offset or a spacer. And, but he's like, this is ridiculous, you know, but. So why do people choose modifieds, late models or sprint cars? Like what, Man, what drives question. the difference in those folks? Um, Doug, the only other thing he raced before a sprint car was a dwarf, dwarf car. Yep. And uh, he went right to sprint car. Honestly, I think in his particular situation, it was because he one came up for sale he could afford it that's just how it worked out and then he's been in it since since and this well, has been years well and it, it, i'm gonna get doug on the program you uh, should yeah it, because you know we'll, we'll talk not only sprint car racing and whatever but we can also talk music and bands yeah <laughs> you sang in in front of him for yep. many many years yep. um but the just real quick the story on the first sprint car that he had the cow car the 44 yep. kemp's cow yep. car and the motor that was in it he built yep and he was so frustrated because he couldn't get the motor to do what he wanted to couldn't get the power he couldn't get anything and it was the second to last night of the season 
and he's going down the back stretch and somebody takes his front end out and he is going for a ride. And the late John Hart uh, was standing at the entrance at the end of the back stretch that goes back up into the pits. That's where his official stand was where he was. <clears throat> and he said it was after the races. He tells me, he goes, it's the craziest damn thing. He goes, you know, Love Grove, right? And I go, yeah. And he goes, never heard that in my life. And I'm like, what? And he goes, that motor had to be hitting 11,000 RPM, <laughs> 20 feet in the air. Yep. He's like, can you go find out what the hell he was doing? And I walked over and I was like, you know, a little small talk with Doug. I didn't want to come right out and say it. And I said, oh, it sounded like, uh, like the throttle gets stuck or something when you're up in the air. And he's like, I can't repeat exactly what he said, <laughs> but he basically said that he was so tired of that motor. He was simply trying to blow it up. So he's in air upside down cartwheeling and flipping through the air trying to blow up his motor i can believe that yeah yeah yep. no one dug he actually built the he's running the three three oh fives now yep. obviously and he built that engine as well so yeah he still still does do that and and he's been having a little frustration with that again this year but uh, i think he got it figured out he had a great run last night yep and had a top five and and ran second for a good bit of the race so well and that's one of the things you know we had mike boston in last week uh and and the one thing he brought up is you know things work really well for no apparent reason and then they don't for no apparent reason and when you're younger you fight it but as you get older it's just kind of one of those you, you almost just shrug your shoulders yeah and and i know you know like last night with you it, it, things broke you're like yeah i'm good yep well, we talked to Mike last week about safety, too, and the chassis and how important they are for safety and putting your kids in a car. How do yeah. you feel about that? And, of course, your experience last night, right? You know, yeah. How does that make you feel? Are you get more concerned about it these days, less concerned? I'm way more nervous watching one of them race than I would ever be before mm -hmm. I'm getting in a car. I mean, I'm sure most people might say that, but it, it's it kind of affected me weird. I mean, I... I I was surprised at how, I mean, I found myself like clenching the fence and stuff, you know, like, as you know, what can happen. You know, right? And yeah. I'm saying things out loud, like, no, don't, you know, no, no, don't, look out, you know, and it's like, geez, what are you doing? You know? You're like the baseball dad in the stands, yeah, right? I mean, yeah. you're, you're, you know, coaching from the side, but yep. yeah, I'm sure it's nerve wracking to have it your is. kids out there. It yeah. Is. And there's it's, a lot of kids these days. Yeah. It gets easier though. You know? Well, it, 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 it does from the standpoint of just pure repetition, but still, at the end of the day, it's like, that's my boy. Yeah. <laughs> and um, from the standpoint of, of like during races, you're one of the just kind of laid back, easygoing guys. You would race as hard as anybody, but yeah. you raced as clean as anybody. Um, I don't recall ever that you, you know, put a fender into somebody that was on purpose that was to get a position or whatever, even racing for a win. Yep. Uh, it was just, you know what, I'd, I'd rather finish second and make sure we both rolled our cars on the trailer than get a bad rep and that type of stuff. Being, you know, kind of a car owner or a crew chief or whatever for Tyler and for Alex Pryor, you ever get a little, little angry <laughs> at some of the guys that they're racing against? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I Any uh, fun stories you want to share? <laughs> <laughs> nah, you know, I don't, I'm not the type to want to call people out. I mean, um you know, I might make a comment on Facebook about we had this happen with another driver, but I'm not going to call him out by name and, and do that whole deal. I just it doesn't get you anywhere for one thing. Yeah. And they they know what happened. You know what happened. You just got to move on from it. But but at the time, sometimes, yeah, I've got times where I'm like, hey, you're roughing my you're roughing my kid up, man. Like he's new. Leave, give him a break here, you know. And again, in that class with all the cars and 
nobody's giving anybody a break. So, <laughs> you, exactly. you know, you're going to earn every position you get. Do you remember, remember your first race? I do. Uh, it was a 73 Ford Grand Torino. Ooh. Yep. And it was actually on, Mike, you might remember the old track that I-80 had. There was a smaller track. Yep. Um, I'm trying to remember what they called that back then, but anyway, it was on that little track and, and yep, I raced it at that time. This is how much things have changed. Um, my dad rode in the passenger side, hanging on during hot laps. Really? And they allowed you to do that. And it was okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No kidding. Just hanging on. He's not strapped in. He's just sitting over there hanging on. And the, uh, the grandstands that are the wooden bleachers that are above sections G and H Mm -hmm. At Eagle Raceway, those are the stands from that little racetrack. Oh, really? I didn't know that. I can tell you a story about the retaining wall that got blown out by uh, a company here that put those up. Anyway, because <laughs> I had to, I built the retaining wall, then I had to take it down and rebuild it. Oh, but uh, yeah, no, those uh, that, that's where those bleachers came from. Was that tiny little that. track? Yeah. So uh, Dana Dickey joining us in studio on the finish line here on ninety three seven. The ticket. Rebecca Pearson in with me, Mike Melby, Austin. Orban running the board. We're going to take a quick break, come back, put a bow on this one. And then following our show, Ricky C. Simmons is going to get your happy on. Always a fantastic show. We'll make sure we find out who the guest is for that. But more finish line right after this on 93.7 The Ticket. Back to the finish line with Mike Melby on 93.7 Minutes. Welcome back to the finish line. I always want to air drum that part. <laughs> I'm Mike Melby, Rebecca Pearson to my right, Dana Dickey in studio tonight, uh, sharing some stories about getting into racing, racing in general. Uh, Austin Norman, great job running on the board. Greatly appreciate him coming in. Ricky C. Simmons is next here on the ticket. Get your happy on. He's going to have Eric Buchanan here in studio. Going to be a fantastic show as always. You mentioned that uh, 73 Grand Torino around a tiny little track that's now in the middle of a cornfield. Uh, out by the now old I-80 Speedway was the first time. When did you start taking it relatively seriously and going, you know what, I I'm gonna, I want to do this every year and I'm going to jump into this class? Yeah, I do remember um, that pretty well, actually. So I was, you know, dabbling in it, just not having any success. The A lot of the things that newer guys go through and, and I didn't have background in driving at all. It was just, like I said, watching my dad work on a car, but um once uh, there was a, a gentleman named Jeremy Tromke that came and helped me and we started running Friday night flyers at Eagle. And at that time we had a Camaro and I ran the first year doing it myself and he started helping me and something just clicked. Um, I'd never won a heat race or anything. And, and that year with him, we won a heat race and then we won a feature. And then next thing you know, we won the next three and it just took off and something worked. And he was really good about, motivating you um not that i know it sounds weird like you need motivation to drive a race car but he was just good about hey man that was you know i drove 10 bad laps but he picked the one that i did something really cool on you know and he'd be like the way you got through three and four was dead on that's what you need to be doing and he just kind of did that and then he went on and helped me through getting into the late models then um, i actually drove for a guy um ron davidson <laughs> Um, you might've, you might've met Ron. He raced himself many years ago too, but, but yeah, I was running the flyer and we'd had quite a bit of success with it. And he's like, you need to, you need to be in a real race car. And I'm like, well, you go ahead and get a real race car and, (laughs) and I'll drive it for you. And he was like, okay. And I was like, 
what? So yeah, it, <laughs> the rest was kind of history. We started running I-80 and Eagle basically weekly and did okay there. At that time it was rough because we had uh, guys like Ed Kosiski, Kyle Burke. Were, they were coming down and running at that time, that Grand American late yep. model. Yep. And John Anderson. And these guys are for real, you know? Yeah. They're and, winning NASCAR national yeah, you know, points. Yeah. Yes. So when we get a top five and an A feature and it was those guys ahead of us, like I won. Like that was, <laughs> that was a win for me. You yeah. Know? One question. How, you have raced as far as I know, number 36. Where did that come from? 36 came from Hank, Hank really? Nealon, yep. okay. and Sean ran the same number as well. Yeah. I've got obviously really old pictures of that. And that was the number Hank ran. And, and I just took it from there. Basically I have run two other numbers over the years because the number would be taken already by somebody. Yeah. Um, stock cars, we ran the four and in mini sprints, we ran the 15, but yeah, 36 has been the, how long did you run mini sprint? You raced at at CRP, right? I did at CRP and then we did the J Husker yep. series. So that was like two or three tracks and the points all combined into one. And the second year in that we won the points championship in that. And then it was the year after that, that I got into stock car. So I just kind of been all over the place. Yeah. Ever have a desire to jump in a sprint car? Yeah, I'd love to do it. Um, Doug's offered to let me drive his several times, but you know, again, that's that whole thing. Like, man, I'm not the luckiest dude in the world <laughs> and I don't want to junk your car or have something crazy happen. I would just, it would kill me, you know? Yeah. So, but yes, it would be a blast. I'd love to love to try it. How often are people selling cars? So if I wanted to get into it, just a joke. Um, uh, it's, it's not by the way <laughs> is there a market for selling you know reselling used sprint cars use late oh, models yeah. whatever and, and definitely okay and so you just go out and people there's it's not hard to get one is nope, what you're saying no okay they're they're pretty easy to come by mm -hmm. for sure and guys not so much in the sprint cars it seems like those guys will run a chassis a lot longer um but like in in sport mod even it's getting to be where guys run a car two or three seasons and they sell it and get a new one, get a new one yeah. um now, granted, the designs have changed a little where the cars flex more and it's kind of like the Lucas oil thing again. You know, those things, they're wore out after, a, you know, a, a season for them. Of course, that's a lot of races, but they flex so much that they just they won't they won't respond to adjustment anymore. I guess a dirt track harder on a car. Than, oh, yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I can see why they don't last as long or you spend more money fixing them up yeah. or repairing them or whatever. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Well, good. guys could say the bumps, the ruts, the, the holes the that mud. wind up yeah. and just, well, mm -hmm. and, and the, you know, Robin's racing and you can do that at, at NASCAR at Talladega and, you know, Bristol, whatever short track. But at the end of the day, um, it's a dirt track is such a different animal. Um, because a lot of times it's not just the car that, you know, goes that way from an arrow or whatever. It's literally the track that makes you mm -hmm. go that direction because of the, the way you hit a hole. But like Brent Marks found out, yeah. he had nailed that the, going through that hole perfectly for, you know, 11 or 12 laps. And then he just caught that left rear where he didn't need to. And yeah. that was it. And you know, that yep. new top wing, new, whatever it was, a uh, probably $2,500 wreck. Yeah frame's fine for all, but you know yeah. after all the chat i need a new car yeah. split seconds matter right they cost money they cost you body parts sometimes you know things things matter racing's fun but also yeah okay. yep
Oh yeah. Well. Um, they helped them the previous year and um, Nathan Bobert is the manager there at the Lincoln store. And we got to talking and, and he, he was admittedly not a huge race fan, um, but he started talking to it Well, he came out that previous year and watched a couple nights. And he was just like, this is awesome. Like <laughs> there's so many people here. I can't believe this. this is this big of a draw, you know? And, yep. and so over the winter, he, they significantly stepped up their involvement. And so they've helped set a bunch. Um, Watts electric has helped us over the years. Um, there's a local company that tows, we start towing. Um, they've, they've been with us for several years now. Um, Tyler has, um, Brewski, no, uh, what's, I can't even think of the name of it. Sportscasters. Good grief. Oh, Sportscasters <laughs> bar and grill. And, um, it's his sponsor, so I should let him take care of that. But, uh, and this year, um, Ironhide construction came on with us. Oh, nice. So, yeah. Well, and it's funny cause it's, the amount of money that it costs just to roll the, the, the car off the trailer some weeks. I mean, that's the whole thing. Yeah. And boy, everything with the COVID and all that, that, I mean, parts costs have skyrocketed. I yeah. mean, um, I think we were paying maybe one thirty for a tire a year ago and they're this year that adds up going through time community supporting hires empire fence and netting you know they have yep. a car out there yep. so you know this is part of the community it, yes. ab- thank you for coming in studio uh fantastic uh stories as always from the the, the golden days and uh <laughs> great questions with dana austin thank you so much for uh piloting the, the proverbial 937 the ticket ship tonight uh fantastic sports car. Yep. sprint car sprint car <laughs> yeah tonight we're gonna make well tonight we're, we're gonna make it a sport, make a, sport, a sport mod, mod. Sport mod. Yeah. Okay. the 937 That's... sport mod <laughs> all righty we got ricky c simmons in the house next with eric buchanan on get your happy on takes place right after this on 93.7 the ticket